Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Let's move on to the game day dubs. We know how W infiltrates this radio station like no other. Wes, Walker, WFNZ. We decided to keep it on rolling. Who, what, where, when, why. We do it every Friday. So let's lead off with who. Wes, I'll ask you first. The Colts got a new coach this year. So did the Carolina Panthers. Panthers decided to roll with Frank Reich after he was fired in season by the Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts. It came down to two uh, people that they were going to hire. Jeff Saturday, the interim head coach, and Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. It's not like Saturday had a great season when he took over for Frank Reich, mm-hmm. but Jim Irsay loves him, the former center, and so he was still in the final in the final two candidates there, but eventually they go with Shane Steichen. So I ask you, who is the coach you'd rather have long-term? Is it Shane Steichen? what he's doing with the Colts, or is it Frank Reich with the Panthers? Uh, I will go with Frank Reich. I know Frank Reich's record doesn't show that, but the fact of just the the experience that he has. Frank Reich has had five top ten scoring offenses uh, under his stewardship, and so for Steichen, his offenses definitely get yardage, but when you talk about the points, he's only had one top ten offense since he's been uh, an offensive coordinator. So for me, I'm going to go with the guy that's a little bit more seasoned. So uh, I go with Frank Reich in that category. I still think I'd go with Shane Steichen, and that's not— Oh, and really, last thing, Frank Reich has turned around a couple of bad situations. We talked about the one and six to the playoffs, and he had another season where he turned things around. So I think he's got the seasoning and the resolve to— be able to do a Stike and just haven't seen enough yet. So you're going with second half success too with Frank Reich and mm-hmm. we could hopefully see that here with the Panthers after a one and six start through their first seven games. We've seen Frank Reich have some success. We saw him go 10 and six his first year with Indy. He goes 11 and five his third year in Indy. Those were the two years where he had the best quarterback play. Andrew Luck that first season retires unexpectedly a shocker. Right before the season starts, too. It's not like they went through offseason knowing Andrew Luck was going to hang him up. They got caught off guard with that. So Andrew Luck retires after a 10-6 and six season. And then in 2020, they have Phillip Rivers. And I didn't even think Phillip Rivers was going to do anything for him. I thought he was old. thought it was too late for him. But they go 11-5. and five. So Frank Reich does have a couple of seasons where three of the first four years, he finished with a winning record, and he goes to the postseason a couple of times. I just always value what is the unknown, which will get you in trouble sometimes, for sure. But I like what Shane Steichen has done so far. I like the way that he was tailoring an offense to work with what was considered a raw QB prospect, Anthony Richardson, before he got hurt. I like the success that he had with Philly. And even if it wasn't a ton, Frank Reich was an OC there. Nick Sirianni running some things there, too. But Shane Steichen being in Philadelphia did a nice job. So... I would go with Shane Steichen, but there's plenty of reasons to believe in Frank Reich, despite how it went the first half of the season. We'll actually get into more of that as the show goes on. Let's go with the what. I always think of Biggie and Method Man with the what. Anytime we get to this question. 
What will be the feeling of Panthers fans if Carolina wins, but they fail to score more than 15 points? See, that's the thing that brings you back down after winning your first game. It's, all right, we won. It was a nice final drive. That certainly helps quite a bit. You beat Houston. You beat C.J. Stroud, the guy that was taken after Bryce Young, yet performed so much better in the first six games. But you only scored 15 points. There were still some struggles on offense. But it's okay. It's a win either way. Can you do it again? If you get that victory, and let's say you score 16, or the offense looks very similar to what it did last week, how will we feel? Honestly, I think we'll still feel pretty good. A win is going to erase all the bad feelings. But also, it's not like Bryce Young has to go crazy, as we saw, for us to feel really good about him. I feel really good about how he performed against Houston, being chased all over the place, all the pressure that he had to face, and yet still completing passes downfield. You want them to be a little better in the red zone. You want them to have a better fourth down conversion rate. They showed that stat as they went for it a couple times on fourth down. Not very good. This offense has not picked them up at a high rate. So if it comes down to that, you would love to see them be more successful situationally. But I still think you're going to feel good even if they don't score more than 15 points as long as they win. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that at this point, this is not, you know, earth-shattering news to anybody. But if you're the Panthers, a win is a win is a win is a win. And you'll worry about how you're going to do it the next weekend as long as you can stack up another one. And so, uh, yeah, the things that you took away from the last game, yeah, the the running average was under three yards. Yes, the quarterback got sacked six times and hit ten times, and that's not ideal, but you were still able to win the football game. So I think if you come out again, and yeah, it doesn't look great, but you're able to get a win, it still gives you that optimism. You still feel like, okay, and, and that's also a skill, like learning how to win ugly football games. You have to be able to win in a multitude of ways in this league if you want to be successful. And when you have a younger team like the Panthers that is still finding their way in a quote-unquote rebuild, then there are lessons to be learned. And one of those lessons I feel like that they would pick up if they're able to win two games back-to-back not scoring a lot of points, not looking pretty while doing it. I think that that's a lesson to be learned for a young team is how to win ugly football games. So the third one, the win. Wes, is this when we see Bryce Young throw for his first 300-yard game? Is that something in the cards? You tell me. Uh, I think that it could be. I'm going to say no because just the way that the Panthers do it, when you look at this Colts defense by trade, they aren't very good by any stretch of the imagination. Dead last in points allowed per game, 25th in passing yards per game, 23rd in rushing yards per game. They're in the bottom tier of the league when you look at hurry percentage, 6.3%. So this offensive line can maybe get some relief and be able to block some guys and be able to uh, give Bryce the requisite time that he needs to be able to throw the football. They're also near the bottom of the league when you talk about quarterback knockdown percentage. So Bryce could have the type of time that he isn't used to having this season. And so that could be very advantageous because when you look at this last game against the Texans and as much as he was sacked and hit and you look at some of the chunk plays that they did have in the passing game, it came off of the back of Bryce being off platform. It wasn't necessarily a design football play to where he's dropping back five steps, seven steps, letting it go to guys there they make the catch it was more so we're going to play the short the intermediate game 
and then things broke down. Bryce was able to run around and find some guys, and you get a big 50-50 ball catch from Adam Thielen that was huge, but though it wasn't planned. And then so uh, that's why I think that 300 will be hard for him to see because at this point with the offensive line, the way they're playing, they're not going to design a lot of big chunk passing plays. You may get one or two maybe just to test things out early to see if he'll have the time, but I just don't know that they're going to put a ton of that into the playbook because they're so worried about what this offensive line is giving them. Yeah, I, I hope that he's able to record his first 300-yard game in the next two, either against the Colts or against the Bears because it's going to be tough sledding after that. If you look at the Colts' defense, you went through some of the numbers, some of the reasons as to why they're not very good. They had one sack and only two QB hits against Derek Carr last week. Mm-hmm. Now, Derek Carr has been taking a lot more deep shots this year, maybe even last year, too, with the Raiders. But the whole thing about Derek Carr, the reputation of him being a check down Charlie more often than not, that's not necessarily happening for him this season. Mike Thomas, he's the slant god. And then you're looking to beat the defense over the top with Chris Olave and certainly Shahid, who is a really, really good deep ball receiver. So the Colts defense, only one sack, two QB hits on Derek Carr. They've allowed a 124.3 passer rating to wide receivers. They did that last week, Wes. And they allowed the 58-yard bomb to Shahid. With Bryce Young looking a little more comfortable throwing the ball downfield, Thomas Brown looking to attack more downfield even with the offensive line looking as bad as it did. See, that would be the thing. If you were looking at the protection saying, well, they're going to give up a million sacks, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but you had 230 passing yards last week. It's going to be close. I realize 70 is a lot more. But are we going to see Bryce Young go his entire rookie season without one 300-yard passing Mm. game? We got to see it at some point, right? And if the Colts passing defense doesn't have outside of what you have in DeForest Buckner, who certainly can get after it in the interior, you're not crazy scared of the edge rushers that they have on this squad. No no big names, no Justin Houston. He's on our team now, despite him being older, but no Justin Houston like a couple of years ago. I think that this could be the time. I'm going to go yes. Give you a little bit of a... Uh, hint as to what I might do in Trop's and props this is a deleted. This is a depleted secondary as well. That's right. No cornerbacks that you're really scared of. The passing defense has not been good for the Colts. And so is, is, it's not going to happen against the Cowboys. It's not going to happen against some of the other better defenses that you're facing in the second half, in my opinion. If the rushing offense isn't great, if you have to make up for lost time, you do the normal game script thing, then yeah, I could see it. I could see Bryce Young getting 300. And so... I'll lock it in. That'll be my final answer. Let's go to where, Wes. Where will we see the biggest weakness for both teams? I can go first on this one. Go ahead. I think the biggest weakness is not going to be a rare find. You don't have to bring your magnifying glass out to find this one. It's how bad the Panthers' defense has been against the run. Houston has not been good rushing the football. Brian Burns got in the backfield last game. A couple of other defensive linemen did too. And then you would just have them make you miss and they'd pick up they'd pick up first downs after guys got in the backfield. That was disappointing. Colts rushing attack is really good. Yes. You even have a guy that's keeping Jonathan Taylor fresh off a contract, mind you, not being the bell cow. Zach Moss has been excellent. And if you look at the Panthers defense, they're twenty eighth in yards per carry allowed. And if you want to do the whole advanced stats thing, they are dead last in the NFL when it comes to EPA per play against the run. Mm. So traditional stats are telling you it's bad. Advanced stats are telling you it's bad. 
I'm telling you it's bad. <laughs> the eye test. So can Derek Brown eat up double teams and then allow other guys to make plays? That's the way of thinking, but it just hasn't worked out for him. So I think that's the biggest weakness, at least for the Carolina Panthers. It continues to be the rushing defense. And, Wes, this is a team that rushes the football very well. The offensive line is good for the Colts. Uh, well, the biggest weakness I look at for the Colts is – that secondary, we talk about how depleted it is, but also when you look at yards after the catch that they give up, and they're in the top half of the league when you talk about the most yards given up after the catch, 863 of those to be exact. And so there are plays to be made in the secondary uh, when you look at that. Also, when I talked about the time that they give up with pressure percentage, hurry percentage, so Bryce should have the time, but once guys catch the football, they need to shake and bake and get it in because this cold secondary – and this coach defense as a whole gives up a lot of yards after the catch. Now, if I was to look at the Carolina Panthers and their biggest weakness, and offensive line to me is definitely glaring. We've been hammering on that all week, but I'm going to go with the thing for it. And I'm going to go with the defense and their tackling. You just talked about it and how they gave up the yards to Houston, but they are second in the NFL in missed tackles. Uh, and I've been talking about it since week one. This team and a lot of guys on this defense miss a lot of tackles. You talked about Brian Burns got in the backfield twice, couldn't finish the play. You got to be able to finish these plays. You got to keep teams behind the chain. 68 missed tackles this season from the Carolina Panthers. Only one off of the league lead, which is the team that they just played, the Houston Texans. And so for Carolina, man, that's just fundamentally sound football, wrapping the guy up and making the play. So for this defense, Obviously, they had a nice outing against Houston, and they've got to put together another one. I talked about how vital they were going to be to this victory. But this Colts offense, man, you got to be on point because you think that because they don't have Anthony Richardson that things aren't looking great. But this still is a defense. I mean, a Colts offense is top 10 in points per game and total offense, and they're above the league average in passing yards per game. So they're going to come out here to play. They've won a few games for a reason. Gardner Minshew, as we talked about, Drew's ears will probably perk up somewhere. Even if he's not listening, they're going to perk up anyway. He'll come out and throw the ball around the yard on you if you're not careful. Yeah, they will. That's why I'm interested to see what he would say here because I'll go with the Colts' weakness before we move on to the next segment. Gardner Minshew is my weakness for the Colts right now. One of the better backup QBs in the league. But you start to look at the last three games. Yeah, he threw for 300 yards against the Jags and against the Browns. But you start to realize why. Because he's been putting the ball in harm's way quite a bit over the last three games. Mm. Five interceptions over the last three. Three against Jacksonville. One apiece against Cleveland and New Orleans. Only 213 yards passing against the New Orleans Saints defense. So five picks in three games. Three games with 110 rating, which makes him a wild card. But also, he's second in the league in turnover-worthy plays at 16. 16 for Gardner Minshew. Can the Panthers capitalize? So, if they get the running game going, or if it's just even average, when Gardner Minshew does drop back to pass, can Xavier Woods sneak in there and read the QB and pick that thing off? Can Frankie Louvu, where we saw him all over the place against Houston, can Frankie Louvu get him an interception? Those are the things I'll be looking at. So Gardner Minshew could be a weakness with the way that he's turning over the football. I'm sorry, Gen Z giant who just followed me on Twitter. And I kid you not, folks. One, I was surprised to see that he had like 4,000 followers. All right, Gen Z, tip of the cap. But the other thing is his nickname is Larry Minshew Legend. Larry Minshew Legend. Loves Larry Bird, loves Gardner Minshew enough to put it in his name on Twitter. 
I love that guy. That guy's absolutely amazing. He is. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Show. Let's get some uh, insight on the enemy this week, the Indianapolis Colts. And let's also get some insight on Frank Reich, an educated opinion on Frank Reich as a coach and, you know, what went right, what went wrong in Indy with Stephen Holder. He covers uh, the Colts for ESPN, and he joins us here on the Mac and Bone Show to talk about the Colts. Uh, Steven, we appreciate it, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're doing good. We're doing good, man. All right, let's start with Coach Reich. Uh, it, it seems like opinions vary on him as as a coach. Yeah. Uh, some people, you know, kind of think what he did, you know, they take shots at what he did in Indy. I kind of think he, I look at the quarterbacks he was given, and I look at the three winning seasons, and I kind of feel like, hey, he kind of made something out of, you know, nothing as far as the quarterback position goes. What 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 do you think about the job he did in Indy? So I, I leaned a little more toward the latter that you just laid out. Yeah. I feel like you know having a different quarterback basically for the last uh, four seasons of your tenure. I mean, <laughs> that's it's ridiculous. And you know when you think about it from that perspective, I think the the expectations have to be uh, in line with that. I mean, he never had the same quarterback twice. I mean, that's that's unheard of. And he was the coach for five years. So, I mean, I know it's it's more that's that's probably too simplistic. Obviously, I get that, but but is it? You know, I, I really think yeah. if you look at around the league, the team or the coaches that have any kind of sustained success, and five years in the NFL is kind of a, a longer tenure, frankly. Yeah. You know, if you look around the league at, at coaches who stick around, they definitely have quarterback consistency. I mean, you never see a situation like he had now. Did they underachieve at times? Yeah, they did. But but I think if you look if you're looking at it in its totality, I just think it's hard to get past that. And then there are other weaknesses we can talk about as well that I think have a lot to do with the roster and and not necessarily a product of coaching. Steven, what did you make of his hire here when it happened and sort of your assessment from what you know of Frank Reich of, of how it's gone so far in the early struggles? Well, I'll start by saying I wasn't totally surprised that he was in the mix for other jobs. Uh, I mean, when you look at if you're if you're looking for an accomplished head coach, uh, someone who's not 
uh, a first-time head coach, and you look at the landscape out there, I mean, he's someone you'd have to at least consider. So from that perspective, I wasn't surprised. Uh, in terms of how it's going, or even let me back up, uh, when you also factor in that, that Carolina had the number one pick and was going to take a quarterback, I, I think that was a plus for Frank. That's obvious. Uh, he has extensive quarterback experience, and, and a lot of it has been uh, very good. So I had, I, I think it made sense, and I had, I don't want to say high expectations, not right now, but I thought it was a good fit. And so I, I think what, what has been a little surprising has just been, I, I think the start that Bryce had, and I admit I haven't watched every snap that he's played, but you know there were some rough moments for him. I think that was a little surprising, but maybe it's only surprising in light of the fact that a guy like C.J. Stroud didn't have that and, and maybe got off to a fast start. But that's also not normal, you know? Yeah. So so maybe we need to think about it from that perspective and, and maybe what Bryce has experienced is typical, yeah. <laughs> to yes. be honest, you know? And yes. So that's, that's something I think we have to keep in mind. We're talking with Stephen Holder, ESPN's Colts reporter. He's covered the Colts uh, elsewhere, too, for years. He knows this franchise. And we're going to kind of get into, you know, the good and the bad of this Colts team, the Panthers' opponent this week. But one more thing about Coach Reich, and, and you, you you probably know him even better than we do, you know, having covered him for, the, for multiple years there. But Frank Reich just seems to be just – a just salt of the earth human being, just just absolutely nice as heck. So I know that Stephen, he will not even if we win this game. I know he <laughs> will he will not be the type to you know say anything bad about Mister Ursay or anything like that. But the way it ended there, like whether it was like disputes between coach and, and or between owner and coach about who would play quarterback there at the end of his tenure, or just the yeah. way it ended, like did it end badly? That you think Frank? Like do you think this means a little something to Frank? Did did it? End badly enough that he's kind of extra motivated. You think he'll never admit it. <laughs> that I can tell you. Yeah. And you already know that. Yeah. But I do think it matters to him. Uh, look, I mean, I don't think he. I, I had several conversations with him after he was fired, and and some of those were really just conversations just to just to catch up. And and a couple of times, to be completely honest. Um, he vented a little bit, you know, and, and I think it was probably healthy for him to be able to do that. And in those conversations, what I came away with was that I don't think that he was necessarily surprised or anything like that. That wasn't the issue. I, I do think, though, that he felt like it was taken out of his hands a little bit. And, and there was it was kind of a no-win situation at the end. Uh, they were also, I think, 3-5-1 and one was their record when he was fired. Which is not a good record, granted, but seeing how they ended up, they won one of their of their last eight games. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I think he that probably felt make him, made him feel more emboldened that hey man, you know, maybe with a little more time, maybe we'd have figured it out, you know. So I, you know, I think if you put all that together, he felt the timing was was odd, the situation was tough because of things maybe being dictated to him, and all of that. I, I think. He felt as though, I don't want to say unfair, that's not a word he used, but he felt as though, you know, maybe this wasn't, he didn't get maybe a, a fair shake. It's, yeah. it's my word, but I think that's how he felt. So, yeah, this, this probably means a lot to him. Steven, the Panthers saw C.J. Stroud last week, so obviously that led to a lot of the discourse between Bryce and Stroud. And 
Anthony Richardson was yep. a part of that in the offseason. Wishing we maybe got to see Bryce versus Anthony this week to kind of see how that would go. He's out for the year. What's the fan vibe right now with that draft choice of Richardson? Because I can only imagine here if the Panthers took Richardson one and he got injured based off of Cam getting hurt years prior, what that would be like. What's the what's the fan vibe and concern level with Richardson getting hurt in year number one? Yeah, it it is interesting because like the the Cam Newton history, I mean we have the Andrew Luck history, so yeah. there's there's really the same kind of dynamic. But I, I will give the fans credit; uh, they have mostly, you know, kind of handled this with maturity, which I don't often say about fans. So so good on them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think people have perspective on it, and and part of it is they understand that this is about the long term. And so this was, it was not an elective surgery, but it was one of those deals where it was like, okay, if we don't fix this right now, this could be a problem. And, and that was a decision that, that came back to haunt Andrew Luck in the way he handled his injury. So I don't really think there's been any kind of second guessing or, or even just, you know, being disappointed in uh, disappointment for sure. But I mean, in terms of, you know, disappointed that they went this route or anything like that, I, people have, an understanding of what they're doing here and why this was necessary. Uh, the biggest disappointment, I guess, would be the fact that, you know, they don't get to see him the rest of the year. I mean, he's an exciting player, and, and people have really enjoyed watching him. But they've only gotten a taste, and, and that's the that's the hard part. But, but listen, I will tell you this about the Colts. They are all in. They think that he's their guy. And, and I have not heard one solitary thought that, that they could be wrong. They could be, but they are they aren't saying it, and they aren't even thinking about it. So he's their guy. One of the things I've noticed is, as we kind of study the opponent for this week's game, is even without, you know, even with Minshew in there and, and Richardson out, this offense ain't the problem. You know, um, uh, it's sixth in points, eighth in yards. Obviously, the run game, Taylor's back at it. Like, what's what's this offense all about? Because from a number standpoint, they look pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it's interesting. They are... The, the only team uh, this season to score 20 points or more in every game, which is kind of surprising probably for most people to, to learn, uh, they have definitely put up a ton of yards. And I'm talking, as you said, with or without Anthony Richardson. In fact, their biggest yardage games have been with Gardner Minshew, which makes no sense, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and so part of it is this. Look, Shane Steichen is a really smart coach. Uh, you saw the, the, the transformation and Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia the last year and a half with Shane Steichen as their offensive coordinator. Uh, he gets a lot of credit for that. And so that, that's frankly why he was a good fit here because of the quarterback the Colts have. There's a lot of similarities there. But anyhow, he, he also is a guy who he can do other things too. It's not just he doesn't have to have the dual threat quarterback. You know, he, he was an offensive coordinator in uh, Justin Herbert's first year, for example, uh, with the Chargers. So, I mean, he has, he has a, a, a range of experience. You know, the, the one thing that's undermined them is turnovers. And Gardner Minshew has to get that under control and keep that under control because that has really killed them. Uh, he has undermined, you know, his own good work by turning the ball over. Uh, four turnovers in Jacksonville three weeks ago, uh, three turnovers the following week. You know, against the Browns, you know, they end up losing three straight in large part because of turnovers. So, you know, that's the thing. I mean, the the, the, the offensive play callers putting him in good position, 
but you got to finish the job and and, and kind of stay on task and, and not make it easier for the other team. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, I think the running game is going to be a continue to be a bigger part of what they're doing. I mean, Zach Moss to be second in the NFL in rushing. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor missed a lot of time this year, and Zach Moss was the lead guy. But you know, no one could have predicted he would have the kind of success that he did, Zach Moss, and. He gets a lot of credit, too, just for uh, being able to, to move those chains and, and maximize his opportunities. So it's been, a, it's been a nice run, but, you know, they've got some injuries that they've got to deal with on that offensive line right now. Uh, all right, real quick, because we've got to wrap this up, but just give me 30 seconds or so on the defense, because we're sitting here, yeah. and, and we know this offense isn't exactly the greatest show on turf here in Carolina, but we're kind of licking our chops looking at this Colts defense. Is, is, should we be doing that? Yeah, it's been disappointing. I had higher expectations for this defense. Uh, they have had significant losses on the back end at corner, and it's, it's crippling them right now. But they also need to find ways to get pressure on the quarterback, and they have not done that consistently at all. So if they give Bryce some time, they've already said it in the locker room this week. They think if they give Bryce time, he's going to make plays. We will see. We're hoping Bryce has time, man. Personally, we are hoping. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Great stuff on the on the pass with Coach Reich on this current team. Thank you, Stephen. We appreciate it. Okay, see you guys Sunday. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. So I got Nate the Great Wimberly of WBTV laughing at me in studio already to start the segment. What's up, brothers? Good to see you. Hey, what's going on? I'll, I'll be working with you, so don't, 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 don't feel bad. I'm full day Saturday, full day Sunday. Well, yeah, we don't get weekends off, do we? No, we don't. Not many no, of them, no, especially no. not this time of year. No. Hornets, Panthers. It is. No, no, look, I, it could be a whole lot worse. We're, yeah. we're not out here digging ditches, so we're, exactly. we're, we're doing okay, but uh, this is the busiest time of year yeah. for us in sports. There's no doubt about that, yeah. including... High school football playoffs, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, let me start with a couple of things. Let's just get this Hornet stuff out of the way. Oh, God. Why? Stop. What? Stop. What are they doing? Uh, well, I think a lot of it has to do with the struggles of LaMelo Ball. Uh, it, just, it starts there. Uh, it, he's got to play much better than he is right now. And I don't know what's going on with that. But if, you know, Terry Rozier is playing well. He's 20 points each game this year. You know, Brandon Miller's playing well. I mean, Mark Williams, you know, Everybody else is kind of carrying the load except for him right now. So I just think he, if he plays better, this thing will turn around. It'll it'll get better. I'm not gonna say they're gonna win all their games, but it would be better. It's just it's, it just doesn't feel right. Watching them, it just doesn't even feel right. I mean, just they, they, they don't look they don't look together right now. 
Well, they don't look together, and quite frankly, when you play that kind of defense, people yeah. rightfully question your effort. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You, I, I always, I don't do that often. I try to stay away from that because I, I can't be in somebody else's head. All we can go on is what we see, though. Exactly. And when you're giving up 42 points in the opening quarter, you're giving up a buck 33 to Brooklyn. Like, to Brooklyn. How do exactly. we not question your effort? It, it was, it was. I was at that game, and it was horrible. I mean, they they were getting open threes and just making everything, and it was just like. Yo, guys, what, what are you doing? And even when they were playing well, you would look back up and they, they would only be, you know, they would get it down to 11. You know, they were down 21. It was just, you know, when they were playing well and you thought they were, you're like, they should be back in this game. And you look, it's, they're down 11. What, what's going on? Yeah, they, it, it's bad. They got to start. Steve Clifford gave a 37 second post game two nights ago. That guy looks fed up already. Look, so, it, it, that four games into the season. Yeah. It's not wow. good. It's not good. It's 82 game season, folks. You do the math. <laughs> All right, we'll put that on the shelf for now. And uh, quickly, Panthers, they won on Sunday, Mm -hmm. got a dub, then did nothing at the trade deadline on Tuesday, which I I think was largely the right decision. I mean, if there was a small deal out there to be made, I I could have understood it. But anything blockbuster, I think, would have been crazy. And so now they get get Indy on Sunday. And it's an Indy team with no Mm AR-15, no defense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and they're riding a three-game losing streak. I I, I like Carolina Sunday. I got to be honest with you. It's the NFL, though. Oh Wild yeah, and crazy things. No happen. doubt. Um, I, for me, this is this is where I'm at with this team. I want to see them have a good performance. You know, they won last week. It wasn't the best of performances. They just won it at the end. Um, they need to perform well. And and and, and I'm, I'm I've been positive all week with this team on the air. You know, but the the wins behind them. I, it's time for Bryce Young to take that next step. You know, you watch Will Levis against the Falcons last week. His first start. He goes 238 and four touchdowns against the Falcons. Bryce Young in his first start in the NFL against the Falcons didn't have that. This is a defense that they can take advantage of in the passing game. I need to see Bryce Young have 250, 280, three tutties. It's time for this thing to turn. It's just time for it to turn for him. And just like I said, they don't have to win. I'm not, I'm not in that. Winning right now, this team is not going to the playoffs. They're not going to be winning the Super Bowl. Right now it's about performing well on the field and looking good. This offense passing game needs to look good, and the running game needs forty-four yards rushing the ball. the The only thing I'll the only thing I'll say to that is, Bryce don't have King Henry in the backfield, yeah. and he certainly doesn't have New Hopkins out wide. Absolutely, he's got thirty-three-year-old Adam Thielen as the only guy getting open and catching footballs. And and, and they they left sixty yards of passing yeah. yardage on the field yeah. on Sunday because it drops. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not arguing with you. I'm yeah. just saying like the Levis thing I thought was impressive. He yes. came back to earth last night, mm-hmm. right? He's got the benefit of some things in Tennessee that Bryce just does not have right now. I, I, I mean, I, we're, we're even questioning if Vicky Aquanu was the right pick this week, and and that might be premature to some people. But I mean, you know, whether it's uh, you know him not living up to the billing or the the scheme putting him on an island and you know not doing him any any service, like the questions are still there. Yeah. So I mean, we got a lot of questions all over the field yeah. with the Panthers right now, and, and that's why I say. The performance needs to be well. It needs to be good. You know, I'm not really worried about the win. The performance offensively needs to be better. This week, maybe even in a loss, it just needs to be better than it was last week in the win. I agree with that. I'd agree with that. Nate Wimberly, WBTV, Nate the Great in studio. And uh, we got high school football to get to because the playoffs begin tonight, folks. And uh, the obvious and first always question is, where are you headed tonight? Tonight I'm doing uh, Northeast Guilford at West Charlotte. Boy, West Charlotte last week, they they, they laid an egg against North Mac when I thought they – should have won that game to get some momentum going after losing two straight. They've lost three of their last four games heading into the playoffs. That's not how you want to go into the playoffs. So, uh, you know, West Charlotte needs to rebound uh, against a Northeast Northeast Guilford team that's pretty good. Um, 
Uh, they're seven and three, just like West Charlotte. So this is one of those toss-up games. If West Charlotte doesn't come to play this week, it's going to be one and done. So I'm very interested to see uh, this matchup. And and, and and let me go on. Let me just, let me say this first. Uh, there are too many teams in the playoffs because I look at the brackets and I'm seeing a whole bunch of conference rematches in the first round. Yep. If if you got conference rematches in the first round, you got too many teams in the playoffs. Amen. We should be seeing play. We should be seeing Northeast Guilford versus West Charlotte games we don't see in the regular season. Cut it out with all this, you know. <laughs> Anson and Free, uh, Forest Hills just played last week. Guess what? They're playing again tonight. Yep. <laughs> Dude, you got too many teams in the playoffs. Stop that mess. Come on. And I don't know how much it's going to change with the the government the, the, the government taking over, the NCHS. Whoever's it, stop. Lord, the number well, of the teams on. in this. If the government's taking over, you know oh they're not going to shrink it. Oh my! If the God. government's taking over, they're not shrinking anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not on WBT. I know you're not. I'm not on Radio. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. This is not the Jamie Gold Show. Let's get this out of here for now. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. All right. So let me do this. Randy's on the phones, and I like that he got in early. And by the way, you can call right now if you have a high school football game you want to talk about. Randy apparently wants to talk about Myers Park tonight. I guess. Randy, what's going on? Uh, yes, I'd just like to see what y'all think about Myers Park, Charlotte Catholic. And also, I'd like to know how Weddington got the number one seed. Is it based off strength of schedule? And he's and he's right with uh, too many teams in the playoffs. So I went to Parkwood, and they've only won two games, and they're playing the number one seed, and they shouldn't even be in the playoffs. I hate to say it. That's you, all I you should, well, you shouldn't hate to say that because you're absolutely right. I appreciate you, Randy. Good phone call. Ding. Hit the nail on the head right there. Two-win two, two playoffs should not be in the playoffs. Come on now. Uh, as far as uh, Charlotte Catholic and my sport, these teams are only separated by seven miles. But the last time they played was in 2008. That's incredible. It really? Is, it is. I went back and looked. I was like, surely not. Because, you know, Catholic was 3A for a while. And then they were 4A. And you're like, somewhere along the way, they got to have played some. They haven't played since 2008. And, and Catholic won that game. And, and they won that game 21 to 20. Um this is going to be one of the better games this week. Uh, you know, Myers Park started 0-3, 7-0 since, conference champs. They're just rolling right now. And, and, and Catholic, I just don't I don't know what to really to make of this team under first-year head coach Matthew Riley. They got blown out by Providence. They blown out by Independence. But played Butler super tough at the end of the year. Uh, so um, this is going to be a very, very interesting game, uh, you know, uh, Myers Park with the home field advantage, that might be the difference tonight. But uh, that game in, in 2008, 20, 21 to 20, it could be another game like that uh, with the last team with the ball winning this game. It's going to be one of the, the better games tonight. All right. Uh, Jordan on the text line. Now, this is Jordan Rinaldi now of UFC fame. So you better give him the answer that he wants. <laughs> but he says, all right, Nate, what's Butler's chances of winning the state championship tonight? Or not tonight. What, what are their chances of winning the state championship? It's pretty good. I, I like this Butler team. I, I like the breakdown of their bracket. Um, their side of the bracket, um, they're they're gonna be right there. They're, they're one of their their loss was to Roseville, who's a top team in the East and could possibly be in the state championship. That would be great to see them back. They started the year playing each other, and for them to probably play in the in the state championship game would be fantastic. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But Butler has an excellent chance to make it to the state championship. Uh, they should get an easy win tonight over Alexander Central. Alexander Central is going to come in and try and run the ball on them. Uh, Butler's just it's too good for them. I just think they get an easy win tonight, and that starts to train down the tracks. I'm not going to really – I'm not going to say who my – who I think is going to the to the state championship, but they're one of them. 
All right, several folks uh, on the text line asking about Mallard Creek and Marvin Ridge. Uh, you know, again, two local teams going at it tonight, both six and four. This one, probably not a lot of points in this one, right? Uh, you never know. I'm not even going to That's true. It's high school football. You never know. There you go. That, that was exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. But this is our it's our game of the week this week. Uh, both of them are six and four. Both of them got upset wins last week uh, as big-time underdogs. You know, Marvin Ridge beat Weddington 24 to 20, which I saw that and, and was shocked, which brings us back to a question. That was asked by the guy who called us in. How did Wellington get that number one seed after? And I was standing on the set Friday night. I was like, "Well, there's their chance of getting that number one seed." And then I get up Saturday morning. Wellington's number one seed in the four A. It has everything to do with the RPI and the strength of schedule uh, because of the teams they played, the teams that they beat, the teams that th- th- their opponents play as well. So that's how they got the number one seed. You know, that's that's the system. That's what it is. And I'll say this again now, like I said it on Friday night, there's no need to complain about seeding and who you're playing. Just go play now. It doesn't matter who you are, who's in your bracket. Complain about it tonight, you're probably going to lose. Don't worry about that now. Play. Weddington is the one seed. Let's roll it out there and let's see. Let's let them legitimize the fact that they are the number one seed. There we go. Back to the phone lines. Carolina J is up next. Carolina J, what you got for Nate Wimberley? Hey, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Uh, A.L. Brown alumni here, man. Just wanted to know uh, your take on uh, the one that's going back up to Moore's. Well, uh, you think they might have a chance of pulling out the out a win? You know, it's hard to beat a, a one to twice, especially <clears throat> with the Harden uh, at the helm now. Uh, we had a, some hard 12 years, but uh, it's a new season, so I just wanted to get your take on that. Well, I, I will first say that... Uh... We don't talk Morrisville football around here. Not on this show. Not not after what happened last week. We don't talk Morrisville Blue Devils football on this show. No, but seriously, A.L. Brown and Morrisville tonight uh, at Morrisville. So it's going to be a busy night up in Dirty Mo because we got two playoff games in town. There you go. Uh, uh, yeah, Morrisville beat A.L. Brown 30-20 to in the regular season. Um, they had a 30-7 to lead, so they kind of gave up some some points there at the end. Um and then Makai Heron had 198 yards rushing for A.L. Brown in that game. Uh, I think the big key factor is tonight is C.J. Gray, the, uh, the 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 quarterback for A.L. Brown. He really, I think they're going to still be able to run the ball, but he's going to have to have some some special throws tonight. Um, and they're going to have to score some points because Morrisville is going to score some points tonight. Uh, I saw him last week up at the A.L. Brown uh, Concord game, the Battle of the Bell. Um, they beat them. Uh, uh, they beat them. Um, it wasn't too bad, but they beat them, um, and they look good offensively. They play some great defense as well. They kind of held uh, Concord in check. Uh, so, A.L. Brown's going to have to bring it off. I give them a shot, but I think Mooresville is going to win this game tonight. But it, it, it's just like I said, it's a rivalry. It's the playoffs, high school football. It's a rivalry game, so you never know. And if A.L. Brown were to pull the shocker tonight, it wouldn't surprise me because this is a rivalry. Well, I'm with you, and I, I'm trying to figure out which way I'm going home tonight because uh, <laughs> I, I told the missus, I'm like, listen, I'm getting off at 6. I might not be home till 8. I might yeah. not make it back to Mooresville till 8 because, again, we got two playoff games mm-hmm. up in the dirty mode tonight. Uh, Mooresville, A.L. Brown, but also my Lake Norman Wildcats licking their wounds after last week's rivalry beatdown, but uh, they got another crack at it tonight against Independence. This is going to be a tough one because I, I wonder about the psyche of Lake Norman to to get beat like they did last week against Morrisville. They're going to have to. It's going to take them some some intestinal fortitude to, to 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 pick themselves up after that and get ready to play another very good team in Independence, um, who had the disappointment of losing last week in, in the conference title game to Butler. They played Butler well. Uh, they played them tight, and I give Independence a little bit of credit. Uh, a, a little bit of an edge in this game because they played so well and, be, and because it was a tight game. 
you just don't know about the psyche of the, of teenagers after going through something like what they did, what Lake Norman did last week. But, you know, a Coach Oliphant will have those guys ready. They're going to be ready to play. It's just I think they need to get off to a good start tonight because if they don't, it, it might snowball on them. And Independence has the, 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 the potential to just blow this thing open. So I just think a good start tonight from Lake Norman to kind of wash the bad taste out their mouths and they'd be like, okay, we're okay, guys. We're okay. We can play. I like that. Now, before I get back into Mecklenburg County, there's one other game in Iredell County tonight that's really interesting. South Point at Statesville tonight. Uh, Statesville, a very strong regular season, 7-3. and three. They host this game this evening. Yeah, um, South Point's the hardest team for me to figure out. You know, they led Crest at one point, 35-14 before losing, uh, but they lost to Hunter Huss this year. They struggled with Forest View. They're just, they, they're just they're too up and down for me this season. You know, Patrick Blee at the, the, at the quarterback position, they, they they run the ball still very well. They, they, they had that element of the of the pass as well when I saw them against Charlotte Christian. But they're just so hard for me to figure out. And I just think uh, Statesville, you know, they have to respond from losing in the conference championship game to Hickory. But because they're at home, I, I just kind of give the edge to Statesville tonight because, you know, South Point has just been hit or miss. And once again, uh, this is, but the, you know, every time I count the Red Raiders out, every time they come up with something crazy. So I don't really want to do it to Statesville, but I'm just going to say that Statesville should win this game tonight. But watch what I say. Uh, South Point might be Okay, so uh, let's get back into Mecklenburg County. We got Northeast Guilford coming down to Meck County tonight. We also have Northwest Guilford mm-hmm. coming down tonight, uh, facing Chambers. And this one, I, I said earlier that uh, Mallard Creek Marvin Ridge might be low scoring. This one should definitely be low scoring, right? If any game should be. Once again, yeah, come on, Nate. You never know because I thought Chambers was going to beat Mallard Creek last week. They gave up 21 points to Mallard Creek, and Mallard Creek's offense is hit or miss. They scored 21 points on them. So, um, whew. It's a senior-led team, and this is another thing for me tonight. This is your last chance. It's win or go home. It's win or basketball season. This is a senior-laden team. Watch now. They got Steve Smith in trouble a couple days ago now. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you got to feel like this is a a, a prideful program that's done a lot of winning. These guys have done – these seniors have done a lot of winning. And you know they just don't want to go out with a whimper of you know losing to Mallet Creek and and losing to Huff and and then get beat in the first round at home. You've tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio ninety two point seven WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.